It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. So I'm Matt. I'm sorry. So I'm Matt. My phone's on. So I just want to <laughs> Should, this should be the intro. <laughs> so I'm Matt. <laughs> cool story, I'm bro. Matt. Uh, cool story. <laughs> and I'm John. <laughs> we could do that. Or, no, we're leaving it. <laughs> okay. And we're Friday, Friday Night, Night Games. Uh, the evil version, apparently. <laughs> and joining us today is our long-lost friend, Kevin. Kevin Kwan. Welcome, Kevin. Calling in from an island far, far away. Actually, not very far away from us, but far away enough. Are you are you on an island? Yeah, he's on an island. You live on an island? Yeah, it's an island across from Amherstburg. Oh, cool. <laughs> we could literally <laughs> swim there, but we can't. So, you know. Nice. Unless you want to be pulled over. By I, the I actually don't know world. where you live, Kevin. So. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never been. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Kevin in like 35 years. You haven't been to the restaurant? Oh, man, no. we got to go to the restaurant no. sometime. <laughs> we have to be able to go to the border. Yeah, well. Sometime. Yeah. You know, being Canadian, one of those Canadian things, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, I thought it would be super interesting since I know we played a couple games based off historical things that happened. Let me take a little deep dive into those games that were based on historical facts and maybe gauge how accurate the developers came to uh, actual events or actual people in the games. And why do you want to go over this topic? Because that sounds really boring. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Whoa, Ouch. whoa, shots fired. <clears throat> shots fired. Well, I think that it's super interesting. So, A, screw you. <laughs> and B, no, I just think it would be pretty cool to kind of gauge. Um, <gasps> what, what are you talking about? Hate you guys so much. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be really cool if we can just gauge how we felt in the game, how historically accurate it was to us initially and then maybe see if they were able to do the history justice i guess there's games out there that are very strictly based on historical facts that you know like that i haven't played like brass lankshire for example i haven't played that game but it's about the industrial Re- revolution i know that there's people in the game are actual people that lived so that's kind of cool and i know that matt and i played games that are based on <laughs> we played games we played games <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I played. Matt and I played games that were based on historical facts. So we played the game called Katana, which was given to us by the designer Tracy Allen. And you, Matt, played uh, uh, Tesla versus Edison: War of the Currents. I played that with Bill. So that's based on literally the the whole era of War of the Currents, where Tesla and Edison were trying to create AC/DC current. I think that's really cool that people take the time to study the history and try to make it in an entertaining way for us to. To learn about it and play it, play through it, right? And just real quick, uh, I was just kidding. I lo- you know I love you, John. I know. And Matt. So, John, we had the pleasure of playing uh, the game Katana. Yeah. Would you want to talk a little bit about that? So, what was cool about Katana is that it's a pure two-player game, which is always a win for me because my wife and I play games a lot at home together. And a lot of our games are three three plus players, so we don't actually get to play at all the games that we own. So any game that's two player is an automatic win in my book. Uh, what's really cool about Katana is that the goal is to eliminate your opponent. So you do that, you have um, what they call a Kami card, which is a Japanese god that has special abilities that helps you in your gameplay. And the idea is to eliminate your opponent's armor and health. So you do that by doing different attacks. So there's attacking, you can activate 
your Kami's abilities. You can initiate Kamikaze, which is just a really high attack onto your opponent, or you can pollute your opponent's Kami. So polluting is a form of attack, basically. Once your Kami's polluted, you can no longer use it. It has to be discarded in the game. What's really cool about the attacks is that it goes off the idea that every action has a reaction. So when you break through someone's armor and get rid of a health, you automatically have to pollute your Kami. And that limits your ability to use the special abilities on that card and can lead to you actually discarding your Kami card. And then you're left with no special abilities, which is pretty cool. I think the, the artwork on it is beautiful. And I had a good time playing it once we figured out the proper rules and all that stuff. You know, it was really cool. We played it, like when we sat down to play, we actually played like five or six games within an hour. Yeah. It was, it was quick. Like, yeah. And the first, even learning it, I, although <laughs> we, we didn't realize the uh, instruction booklet was tucked into the box. Yeah, it was well like, hidden. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we figured it out later. We actually played it very properly. But no, the game the game we played a lot and we played like five or six games within an hour and it was quick and it was fun and it kind of led you into trying to keep playing it to see all the Kami abilities. Right. Because the Kami abilities is kind of what draws you back. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you know, you're dealing random because you deal three Kami cards and you have to choose one. You know, your first game, you're like, I don't know what these mean. Right, but once you play more, it's like, oh, I know this is gonna help me. Like at the beginning, so it's kind of interesting that way. And you, you can lose your kami. You mentioned kamikaze. That's one way to lose it. If someone pollutes it to the point, to a point where it's has three markings on it, it's gone. You can get another one. It's just, it's just random. Right. So the, only at the very beginning can you get a very special kami that you like the abilities or, or can think of a strategy on how to play with it. How it was sold to me to to review it was the he the creator is like, do you want to play an historical? battle game based off samurai the only problem with me when i played it is like i didn't really feel the historical element to it right away i i didn't really either and we could get into why in a minute well, i was like well that's how he sold it to me but it, i didn't feel that right away so that's why I, like this idea of this podcast came was like well how historically accurate is it and did we feel that when we were playing you know initially i didn't get that because i'm like well i don't like i get the idea of like the battling and like you're, you're acting as a samurai warrior but it's just like at the end of the day it is just like a card game yeah so, so i have the exact same opinion like when i was playing it i didn't really think of it to be historically anything I, I, even the even the commies were in my mind was like are these stances that's what it kind of came to you know in, in my mind i thought they were stances i'm like oh you have a stance this is how you're fighting right but it was, it, but there's more to it, you know. They're the gods that give you a little extra ability in the game, and they weren't overpowering, no, nope. either. Like they were there, you feel them, you can use them, they're present. But they didn't make the game make or break. It didn't make or break the game. It was a nice mechanic. But yeah, that's why that's my my spiel on Katana. Like I, I actually really like the game. I'm not I'm not saying that the historical element of it took away from me. We sat down to play. We played for like an hour straight. You know, there was times where we're like, ah, uh, you know, we, when we were like beating each other or like I beat you or you me, it was like, we almost cheered because it was just like, oh, it was, it, was, it was actually fun. Like yeah. we were actually battling each other and actually like it was a stroke oh. good back and forth. Every game was pretty close. Right. That we played, although we did uh, have the other guys play it and there was a very lopsided game <laughs> that happened. That's true. That's true. So, but I, but I had a lot of fun playing with you because we had that like tension the entire time right and it was like there's a really cool strategy in the game if as a defense you can you can pollute the card and if you know that if i already have a pollute on my akami and you play that card knowing i'm going to get rid of your health and you defense with the pollute that gives me two pollutes and i have to discard my kami when you did that to me i was like 
you no! table flip. Yeah, I was I, so I, uh, mad. And then, but I was well, like, that's I, such a good strategy. So I saw the strategy. Yeah. Once I figured out the strategy, I'm like, I want to use it. That's how my mind works. I see something, I want to use it, right? And and it, it worked. Although you still won that game. It was like one health to one health or something yeah. crazy, and you still won. But it was just like down to the wire. Yeah. And that that's what I really liked about the guy. I like that tension. Yeah. Where I guess that felt like maybe a true battle, I guess. But yeah, but like I said, his history of it, or maybe I just don't know Japanese samurai history. Um, maybe that's why I didn't feel it. Okay. Well, what did you, did you happen to look into what the history, what history was in the game? I mean, yeah, there's actually an instruction manual. He goes through a lot of like samurai, samurai history, which was pretty cool. And I thought that was an interesting element to the instruction manual. But then further investigation, I guess is the proper word, you know, doing research on this all the comic cards in the game are actual japanese gods which is um, i didn't i didn't know realizing that kind of changed my perspective a little bit about it so i was like oh maybe this is a really historically accurate game i'm just ignorant to japanese history right so before so before <laughs> this podcast we actually all looked up <laughs> some of the gods you uh, using this thing called the internet the internet <laughs> never heard of it no. you should get on it <laughs> in fact i think you're probably listening to us through the internet so <laughs> but uh you know we, we actually looked up a bunch of the gods and and how accurate it was and yeah it was like the card to the god like the little description of them was 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 convincing how the the rules were determined were obviously not as convincing but there also has to be a creative aspect of a game designer you can't be like a hundred percent right you know, I think it was which one. One was a traveler guardian, and the whole idea was to give in. You know, that the purpose was to give enlightenment. But his card was shattered two armor. <laughs> two armor is unshatterable. Unshatterable. So it's like, oh, I, I, you know, it is what it is, right? Like you can't hundred percent make the game historic. Right. You know, but he did a good job, and he and I, I, I love Japanese history. I love Naruto. So I know, I know <laughs> you, you, you and Matt, uh, Kevin, you and Matt watch uh what's it called naruto 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 Naruto. yes so i know you guys are are big into japanese history and stuff like that so i've been to a sword museum in japan a japanese sword museum are you jealous kevin you went to japan yeah cool totally little and all the swords there uh it was really cool because all the swords on display had history to them like they were used in x battle they were made by famous you know like like masamoon is a famous sword, but it is actually a real maker of swords. <laughs> like it's super cool. That is actually another awesome. cool fact. A lot of the swords in Tekken, uh, used by Kev. What's that character? He's kind of like a samurai Ronin. No. Caliber. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Yoshimitsu. Yoshimitsu. Yoshimitsu, and he's in Tekken. Yeah, in Tekken. Yeah, but he had like a like a neon. Lightsaber. Yeah, that's a real sword. Like I saw that. it in Japan. I'm just kidding. You saw a lightsaber in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but a, a lot of the swords he used were named, were like real historic swords in Japan, which was kind of neat. It was cool in Soul Calibur because then they had actual, they had a lot of actual, like, you know, weapons and stuff. So those are really cool. I remember, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but in Soul Calibur, he had, he had a Nodachi, right? So that Nodachi is a, like, a katana. A regular katana is. You can use it single-handedly or or with two hands, but then a nodachi is basically like a Japanese version of a great sword because it is. I think the measurements of a regular one are four to five four to five feet for the blade, and then you got about 
two feet for the handle. Two, whoa, whoa, so hold then on, you have two feet for the handle sword. That's why okay. it's two handed. It's like so. It's a nodachi is basically a Japanese okay. great sword. So, Whereas a katana is about one to okay. two handed. So so a, so the the great sword is a larger katana, essentially. Basically, it's a it's like a mandatory two handed katana unless you're like you know huge like you're like the mountain from game of thrones you're like some seven foot five I'm, like i just want you know four i just want to throw it out there muscle. though um myth, that, but, that's me myth, <laughs> yeah i, I <laughs> literally see john john's wielding it right now um <laughs> but i myth myth busters really is. blew out of the water those like anime swords the ones that are like too big for the human They're, like just as big as a person but anyway sorry keep going you can't actually wield something like that you'd hurt your arm <laughs> you break it yeah are there actual katanas in katana? Well, the whole idea is that you're uh, a samurai, so you're you're fighting. You have you have these cards that that deal battle damage, and they have defense values. So the cards you play are technically your katana. Yeah, and I would just, I would I would look at it as if like I'm attacking you and you're defending. That's our swords coming, our right. katanas hitting each other, right? right? And they both have values that offset each other. Um, and then, and actually, there's one cool part of samurai history in there. When you kill, when you destroy a heart, you take pollution because of the whole belief that if, when samurais take a life, they're partly angering the god or something like that. Right. So. And then you have to purify your soul. Or the, you have to purify your right. You use to, uh, revitalize cards to purify. Oh, purify. Sorry, to pure to get rid of the pollutedness, which is kind of cool. So it's kind of like okay, so you got to balance that out. I think that was a really cool part of the game. Oh, and, and like a 60-card deck, they're all like four cards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah. you kind of have an idea what's what can be played. So then as Samurai, do you have you already have Kami, or you need to draw other cards? You start the game with it, but you can, you can lose the Kami easily, um, or if you decide to Kamikaze, you discard it and attack for the attack value that it has on it. You can get another one by destroying part of your armor and playing a Purify card which allows you to gain a new one if you lost an old one. When you don't have it, there's like a passive ability and an active ability. To use the active ability, you play a Purify card. If you don't have a, if you don't have a Kami, then you can't do that. And the Purify cards are generally pretty good. Right. So I know, Matt, you looked into... You stalked the creator a little bit. <laughs> no, no, you, no you, just, you looked up for you know, some information. Uh, well, so, so cool, cool note. Tracy Allen, who created the game Katana, he has like a double major degree. He, he graduated like pretty pretty high up there in his class and one of his degrees is history okay so he obviously like any other nerd really loves you know probably japanese history so he probably knows a little bit of manga i'm just gonna assume that i have no idea i'm assuming everything <laughs> other than he has a history degree i know that but he obviously loves samurai so he he took time to look up the gods and try to intermingle it with the game yeah so that was really cool i, I wish we had more information about what really inspired him coming from not really feeling it to actually, you know, spending time and researching. It was actually, what do you think? Kind of turned you around a bit. Turned me around a little bit. Well, let me tell you a little story. All right. <laughs> so I got to play Tesla versus Edison with Bill. So obviously Tesla and Edison are real historical people. Right. And as we were playing the game, I saw all these different cards. And I wondered, are these all real people? And they all happen to be real people. So let me first tell you about the game. Yeah. Since none of you have played it. So the game is Tesla versus Edison 
War of the Currents by Artana Games, published in 2015. It's a economic game where you play as famous historical characters from the industrial era. Your goal is to earn money through supplying power to cities by creating power plants. You end up holding patents through research, manipulating media, and buying and selling shares from the stock market. Winner is the player who has the most stock at the end of the game. Each of the main inventors have special abilities and specific character values, which help you research buy from the stock market, manipulate propaganda, etc. You gain more luminaires. You mean luminaries? Is that how you pronounce it? Oh, okay. Luminaries. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just dumb. <laughs> Me, math. <laughs> anyway, so you, you gain other luminaries who are like researchers. They're less powerful inventors. They also have abilities. And you use their powers to gain more research or do more stock trading or other things I just mentioned. The game plays over six turns and your company becomes more valuable by building power plants in cities and towns, by trying to invent and hold patents so other players will have to pay you royalties, by using propaganda, which gives you immediate bonuses, or by manipulating the stock market by buying and selling stocks that don't not necessarily have to be yours, but can actually be your opponents. So I actually played the game as Madame CJ Walker, and I was kind of like confused. So just a little note, right? The Tesla versus Edison War of the Currents is, it's not completely historical. It's based on the fact that Tesla was an apprentice of Edison, and they were both trying to produce AC-DC current. And they both had these different thoughts on the current. I actually found out that AC current is used in Niagara Falls and Niagara Falls was made by Nikola Tesla. Very cool Canadian fact for you. We're very proud people over here. <laughs> Hockey sticks. <laughs> yeah, so, so he had a part in making Niagara Falls using his idea of AC. And then Edison, I believe Edison was DC. So so anyway, so he was the apprentice of Edison and, and he was trying to push for his type of power while Edison was trying to push for his. So they're actually in direct competition trying to do this. So that's kind of yeah. how the game kind of plays out. But there's all these other characters from the era in there. And Madame C.J. Walker is one of those people. And I'm like, well, how does this? How does she play into this? And so I looked it up. So the characters don't all, you know, they don't all actually interact to, together in real life. Uh, Madame C.J. Walker was a person who did well by selling cosmetics and hair products for black women. Yeah. Nice. So she made, so she was a very prominent person in that era. She was very wealthy through, the, through that business. So the whole idea was that they kind of looked up businesses that were, people who were famous for creating businesses during that era so i looked it up and i'm like wow that's really cool you know that's like a cool concept they put in there was everything accurate uh, well let me just go into a little bit of one of the luminaries one of the helper researchers that you get during the you could get during the game her name was ada lovelace on the card it says she was a mathematician who collaborated on the first programmable computer and wrote the first algorithm so you know, I looked, I was like, you know, so I have, a, both of you know, I have a computer science background. I'm sure if we have common listeners, they also know that. I don't know anything about computer, hi computer, <laughs> computer history. I have like no idea. I know like Turing was a big person in it. I didn't really know anything else. So I'm like, well, is this true? I mean, it could be true. I think I've heard something like this before. I did look it up. I looked it up Wikipedia, which could be wrong because it's Wikipedia. <laughs> but she worked under Charles Babbage who created one of the first computers. And so she, they have historical, what she called notes, which is sort of an algorithm that could be used by Charles Babbage's computer. Is she the first one to write an algorithm? Well, they kind of say, like they have recorded evidence that she is, but Babbage has, they argue that Babbage would have written programs himself, but she definitely did translate a specific computer algorithm to be used with the computer. So it's sort of like, is it true? Yes. 
Is it not true? Well, it's debated, and that and that's history right there, right? Because you you have facts, but you can't. But not everything is like completely true. So the cool thing that I really liked was that I read this on the card. It got me interested because that's what my background is in. And then I actually started Wikipediaing it and saying like, oh, okay, well, this is a real. First of all, it was fantastic that this is a real person during that era, and it had the fact was there. Right. And then right. the second cool thing was it led me to learn all about Charles Babbage and the computers. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know any of this stuff. I feel kind of. Oh, I was going to say, you talking about all this. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Doctor Who at all. No. No. So, Ada Lovelace, Charles Babbage were in episodes of Jim Fitzpatrick and Mission to Planet Hex. Were they in there too? No. Uh, but they also had an episode with Tesla and Edison oh. as well, which is actually like pretty cool. So what I'm saying is hitting home a bit, right? Yeah, because I, yeah, I just rewatched a lot. The, the oh, that's season, super cool. So. so these things are based on history. And, and the thing is, like, the industrial area history, we don't have all the facts. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's true. And history ends up, it gets kind of rewritten and stuff, which is kind of interesting. But anyways, the really cool thing with that was just like l- learning the concepts of the cards and then looking it up. And then the game itself was pretty interesting too. It was, it was like very stock market based. It wasn't really completely like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, oh, this is very historical. No, it wasn't historical. Like I'm not really following through the events of Thomas versus Edison. I'm really just kind of playing the stock market. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I thought it was way more in-depth. Well, they, they had some research stuff and they had facts in there about the different patents that are involved in creating the light bulb. I found the history of the characters more interesting than I actually did the patents. Okay. Uh, to be honest with you, the game was actually less about the stock market and more about building a power plant. Because when I played it, <laughs> I played the stock market and I got my butt like kicked. Yeah. But then Bill was playing, was just building, he was just building power plants the whole time and he was just like, he was like, his stock at the end of the game it's how much money you have plus your stock his stock was like through the roof it was like <laughs> he had like eight times the amount i did and i'm like i'm buying <laughs> your stock but the person who starts the game you get three times your own value of your stock right so it's easier right. to so he he literally is just making power plans as i'm like i'm holding all the patents i'm making a ton of money but he's just like <laughs> he's laughing at me he, he owned the whole board i'm like this is I'm like, i really suck at this game that's all right it's like get for trying to do a different angle there you go but yeah, so the game is really cool, and I love the whole idea that they include history and to the point to which I actually started looking it up. Nice. It's very valid. Cool. It's cool. There's also, uh, you mentioned Madam C.J. Walker. There's also a Netflix uh, kind of pseudo documentary about her life called uh, Self-Made. My oh, wife really? watched it. That's she cool. said it was really good. I think she's from Milwaukee. So, or not not yeah. originally from Milwaukee, but that's where her business was. So yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. She said it was a really awesome. good show. My wife did. So. Yeah, do it. Yeah, so I'm check out. You. Oh, on a cool note, who's the inve- better inventor? Tesla. Tesla. You think Tesla is? Yeah, why not? Why? Uh, there's a car named after him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like Tesla was more creative. Maybe, maybe a little bit more, a little quirky, mad scientisty. Okay. I, I do. Edison, have a... Edison seems more of like a businessman. Okay. Aspect. He's more stern, more businessman. Okay. Well, what about you, Kev? What do you think? Uh, I think he made the Tesla coil in <laughs> Command and Conquer back in the day, right? So, uh, it's yeah. pretty badass in that uh, Command and Conquer, sure. too. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I looked to the internet for answers. <clears throat> and I What did the internet provide? Epic rap battles of history! <laughs> 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 and actually, I learned a lot. 
<laughs> and, and those it, things are great. It's actually really funny because um, what you're saying, John, like, yes, Edison was a very business person. And he was like, he really was a master of making small inventions to make a big invention. Right. Which is why he was actually profitable. Because he made all these little inventions through his, his research labs, which, which, which was the profitable thing. Which was cool because he had luminaries. All the luminaries were doing his work. And that's like how Tesla and Edison played out, which was super cool. And then Tesla was like a um, bigger picture type person. So he would think of like, oh, this is what I, how I want it to work. And instead of focusing on the little tasks, he would be focusing on like how everything would work together. So in the end, like, you know, his, his product was phenomenal, but it just took him forever to do it. And he had a lot of products that he never finished because he could never get to those little, he can never yeah, get the little things done. Well, well, Edison was way more successful because he was a business person and he could get the little things done to build the big thing. And when you're trying to get people to invest in your product, it's easier with little things that work exactly versus big things that don't well the, well it's it's the same thing with computer programming it's the same thing where you work it's the same thing where, where kevin works you know you you want to have little tidbits to show that you're making progress right. if you have a giant overarching thing and then you're never actually producing the end result people just kind of look at it and be like well you didn't produce anything even though you might have but you didn't track it right exactly so thank you, Epic Rap Battles of History. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to learn something else in Epic Rap Battles of History. So we're talking about all these historically based games. So do do the games, when they use the history, do they have to be actually historically accurate? Like, can it be? Or does it just help add, add more to the game? Uh, I think, like... I think so with with me and Tesla versus Edison it was cool to have the real characters and then look them up um I, I so I'll go to a little thing me and Bill a long time ago we were playing Brass uh, Lancashire and um it's a it's an industrial revolution game again <laughs> and it had real characters from from Britain in it but when me and Bill were playing it I'm like I didn't recognize any of them so it's just like I didn't think they were but then my wife came by and she saw us playing, and she actually opened up the instruction book, and she's like, these are real people. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, and then she ended up, like, Wikipediaing them, and she's like, yeah, they're actual legit people, unless the creator put them in Wikipedia to mess with us. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I doubt they went into that big uh, detail. No, I doubt it, too. Probably use Wikipedia to get the info, right? But anyways, it was just really cool that, like, hey, you're using these char these characters, and it kind of, like, gets you, like, oh, well, this is a real person. What did they do? Why were they prominent enough to be in this game? And that's the same thing with Madam C.J. Walker, is that, you know, what was, you know, prominent enough about her that made me want to go, that made them put her in the game? Yeah, and I think for me, it depends if you're, you're selling the game as an historic game. It doesn't have to be historically accurate. Uh, I think if you take elements of history and you can exaggerate it, to make the game entertaining and fun, um, which is which would be kind of better on my end. But if you're going to sell it as like, hey, this game's based on history, let let's make sure that it's accurate. If that makes any sense. Also, like if it's based on history, hopefully the mechanics aren't based on history completely, because there's got to be some sort of game in there too. Right, right, right. But I mean, like if you take a look at Katana, for instance, right? Like so, you're looking at you have your Kami cards, which are actual. Japanese gods and then you know you're playing your cards as your katana sword you know how it all like now that we talk about it it kind of makes more sense to me to be historically accurate and that just kind of just blew my mind today <laughs> talking about it right and I think that and I think that's awesome I think that was really cool to talk about it actually like let's get these 
thoughts going in my brain about it because I was I was like this does not have any historical value to me at all and then it was like oh wait but it does John you're an idiot you just <laughs> so, don't know just don't know exactly just, all you have to do is look it up all you do is have a, have a question so and I think I think that was really cool but I think if you're gonna have a game it's based off history it can go one of two ways it can be long and boring or you can make it exciting by exaggerating some some elements to it to make the game entertaining so I kind of think Katana's more more mythologically based as opposed to more uh historical historically accurate yeah. i guess because it's not like it's going into like the different eras and then talking about different shogun shogunates uh, and so forth but it's going back to like different creation deities like izanagi or izanami and uh, different patron saints so we're more deified and then they're used within the game well and to brought into mechanics whereas tesla versus edison is actually much more historically accurate or more, more historically based more historically and based. then also yeah. brings in right and then works in industrial revolution and works that into yeah the game actually that's the one thing that I, I thought was cool about tesla versus edison is that they actually worked in the mechanics into the game the whole idea of luminaries right like is very similar the whole idea of tesla being a luminary to edison so i thought that so that like when i learned that i thought that was actually really cool I'm like, I see what they did there. And then understanding that the stock market was probably something newer around. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. I don't know very much. <laughs> stock, stock market started out in six, 16th century. That's old. Something like that. So, old. never mind. <laughs> you know, the whole idea of like looking up the facts on the cards. Do you think that that can go into other games? Like, does it have to be history? I don't know. Like, I remember playing Wingspan. What's Wingspan? <laughs> Whoa, what? Whoa, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You don't know what Wingspan is? I've never played that. Oh, man. You haven't played the 2019 Game of the Year, <laughs> Card Game of the Year, Podcast of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> this game just won everything. Uh, toy of the Year, Video Game of the Year. You haven't played Wingspan? <laughs> Sold that everywhere. I'm missing out. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't buy it. <laughs> Even uh, though it's 2019, you can't buy it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. it's a great game. Just very brief. Wingspan is a, a bird collecting game and an engine builder, and you you gain points by collecting enough birds to lay eggs and cache food and and eat other birds. Right. Yeah, and what's cool about those about what that game is like every card has facts about the birds on them, and some of the mechanics of how uh, the birds work. So I forget what the the term is, but you kind of like. Put a card underneath another bird. Oh, uh, caching. So yeah. So when you're when you are um, caching other birds, so you're hiding another bird card underneath. Like that means like that bird eats that other type of bird, and that's like kind of a cool little little mechanic on it. Really, you know what? Like, let me look up the instruction manual because I kind of remember them mentioning that. Yeah. Um, in there. Oh yeah. Okay. Here we go. So. So, for instance, just as an example, American Crow, Black Crowed, Night Heron, oh my lord, I can't pronounce this word, Raven, <laughs> Common Raven, and a Fish Crow, or in the, they're all cards in the game that you can, that you can draft. Um, these birds are all known for eating, so this is the note um, about its ability. So its ability, when activated, discard an egg from any of your other birds to gain food from the supply. And then it's really cool because then it has a note next to it and it says these birds are all known for eating eggs from other birds' nests. 
Right. So it's like clearly this mechanic came from the fact that these real these birds actually do that. And I think maybe that's why the game is so cool. Because like you don't, it's something that it's so small in the game, but like that's an actual thing that actually happens. So, so yeah, the details, the details. Yeah, that small little details. Like oh, whatever. I just got to discard an egg from another bird so I can get food from the thing. It's like no, that bird actually eats that egg. This is why it has that ability. Yeah, and that's, right? that's and why like, the game's mind-blowing. I mean, and not only that, it has every bird has the, the facts on it, too. Right. So there's actually, like, facts about every single bird, like a, a unique fact about the bird. Where it's located, too, which is kind of cool. Yep. So if it's located in North America, Europe, Europe, European expansion has European birds, right? And obviously, they're going to release more expansions with birds from other places. But it's just so neat. Like, it's so neat that they put so many details into it. And that, Kevin... Kevin Kwan is why <laughs> it's game of the year. <laughs> All right. Now I know. Now I know. Now you care. <laughs> Hold on. I want, quick, I, want to, I want to call Kevin out on something here. Man, you were like totally into samurai swords when we we're talking about katana. Are you? Yeah. Why do you know so much? Well, I love swords. <laughs> do you have swords? Swords. Uh, no, they're expensive. Oh, he's not really sad about that. <laughs> I, 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 love I will admit when I went to Japan, um, we kind of put the Samurai Sword Museum on the list and we're just sort of like, you know, we're in Japan, we're going to do it. Um, and it wasn't a really big museum either. It was actually off the beaten path. It was in a university. So we had to like literally walk for two, for maybe an hour and a half or two hours to get there. And then like when we got there, we actually realized we're like, this is one of the coolest things we did in Japan. That's cool. <laughs> in Tokyo. It was in Tokyo. Yeah. So it was like one of the coolest things we did in Tokyo was actually go to the Samurai Sword Museum because it had the history to all the swords was so specific and like to the T, like, you know, like we got this sword during this battle or like this sword was made by this famous person. This famous person did all these things. This famous person supplied the samurai. This fam- like it was just like so cool. Right? And and if if anyone's listening and they're ever gonna go to Japan, that's put that high on your list because it was awesome. Nice. You probably saw some swords made by uh, Hattori Hanzo. Yes. Maybe. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Um. All like all the big name sword people Ooh. were there, and they actually rotate the swords too. So if you go there a different time, you're gonna see different swords. That's cool. That's and cool. they had a that's whole cool. thing. It was it was so crazy. I I I didn't even know this until I went. But the markings on the sword also, like the way it's forged, creates mm-hmm. like a special effect. So some of them have like a wave or fire effect on it, and that's the way it was forged. Cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's very different types. Like um, there's like I really like Damascus blades. So then Damascus is where they basically go take a take metal and they take the steel and they fold it over repeatedly. So they go fold it over, forge it out, and then they cut it in half. Or they just cut it and then fort and then fold it over again. So then you have a whole bunch of different layers in it. And then uh, you can also get different like kind of um, different patterns in that Damascus. So you can have like a ladder pattern where they will grind out some like lines in it, and it'll be a break in the waves, and it'll just go like you'll see a lot of vertical lines. There's like raindrop. There's a uh, like sawtooth. And there's a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah, there. and they they went into a lot of that, and they went into like how. Uh, the hilt is made too. Like all the hilts are different. Yeah, like the traditional katanas were 
manta ray skin for the uh, for the handle and bamboo pegs for any full tang uh, full tang swords. That's crazy. So, yeah, I'm surprised you know this off yeah. the top of your head. <laughs> you, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I, I really like the I really like the show Forge and Fire. So it's like basically it's it's a competitive show. It's where for either metal workers or like bladesmiths will just get go get thrown in the, into the forge. They have an anvil, their hammers, and then they're given metals. So they're either given like train track or like a ball bearing or just like a steel rod or a car, and then they have to cut off pieces of metal and then make a knife in four hours. Cool. Wow, that's super. So cool. it's it's pretty intensive. And then whoever makes it to the the last two people who make it to the end have to make a historical weapon. Wow. So they've made katanas, they've made uh, like cestus, sabers, rapiers, uh, cutlasses, uh, nodachi that we were talking about earlier. Uh, but they they did a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff, and that's a history history channel. So I really like that show. Yeah, that's that's really cool. All right, thanks Matt and Kevin for joining me in this conversation about some of the historical facts in the games we played lately. So just to recap, we did play a game called Katana by Tracy Allen. You can uh, purchase that game if you wish at katanacardgame.com. And uh, we also played Tesla versus Edison by by Artana Games, and that is also available uh, where you buy board games. So yeah, appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down and chat. I had a lot of fun tonight. So thank you all for listening. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or hit that follow button on your favorite streaming platform. Is there a game you'd like for us to check out and talk about? Or have you created a game and you want us to preview it? Let us know by emailing us at info at FridayNight.Games. And check back every Friday for our next episode. And remember, it's Friday night. Let's have some fun.